My name's Tom Jennings and this is the Masters of Cinema cast. And unfortunately, Joachim can't be with us today, but I am joined by Friedrich Gustafsson from the blog Friedrich on Film. Friedrich, thank you very much for coming on board with us today to talk about Michelangelo Antonioni's Le Amici. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I, I thought um, before we kind of get stuck into the film and a bit of... Um, Antonioni in general. I just want to talk a little bit about kind of kind of what you do and kind of your kind of your kind of what film means to you because it's not often that we have someone. Well, in fact, I can't think of any time we've had anyone who's worked at the kind of the Swedish Film Institute and who's kind of um, especially been involved in the Ingmar Bergman archives. I just wonder if you could tell me a little bit about kind of you know what what you've been doing and kind of what that's kind of meant to you over the years. Well, that was a large question. Uh, sh- where shall I start? Well, I could I could start with saying that uh, film has always been my thing. Uh, and when I was in school, it was always obvious that after I finished school, I would do something related to film. And uh, I've and that has also been the case. I've done hardly anything else other than film-related stuff. But I have also done pretty much everything you can do within that area. So I worked as a projectionist. And I worked as a film librarian, and I've studied film, I've sold film, I acted in films, I've written film scripts, and I worked at the Ingmar Bergman archives, and I worked at the Swedish Institute organizing Ingmar Bergman film festivals all over the world. Uh, so that's film is really my my area in all in in all its aspects. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like I think it's, uh, I I always kind of think this is like film something when it gets under your skin, it's kind of it's kind of almost like a kind of a disease that you can't get rid of and it's that you spend like I yes, mean, every I'm week taking it, injections on a daily basis yeah and it, it, it's that it's that kind of thing isn't it I mean it's like um I was saying something to, uh, I, was, I was talking with a friend the other day and I was kind of like and they were saying how kind of yeah, their kids were so important in their life and all that kind of thing. And I was thinking, well, that's how I kind of feel about film. It's just that I'm utterly obsessed with it all the time, and it's yeah. it, it's it's a nice thing as well. I mean, it, it, you know, it obviously kind of um it, it gives you something to kind of live for, as it were. But I was kind of particularly interested when you're talking about kind of like if you've you've written films. I mean, if you had anything that's actually been made yet or anything. Well, uh, I the scripts that I've written recently have been sent to producers, but uh, they have not been filmed yet, and I don't know right. if they ever will be. But uh, no. who knows? No, but uh, I've also been—I have a friend who is a filmmaker, and I've been working with her very, yeah. very closely in in making her films. Uh, so I've, I've there's so I have no script credits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that, but there's something there. Yeah, and what's the kind of like the independent film situation like in Sweden? Because I'm at Britain at the moment. We've got this whole kind of uh, austerity thing going on, and the actual kind of actually being able to get hold of finance to make films is kind of reduced massively uh, over in in recent years. I mean, yeah. is it a case of? I mean, what seems to be happening here is that people seem to be kind of funding films by kind of their own means, basically, or you know. Uh, maxing out a few credit cards and that kind of thing and it's quite I think it's actually quite an exciting time as well because yeah. there seems to be a lot of kind of people making films off the radar and getting them kind of distributed in their own way you know online and kind of like printing off their own DVDs is, it, is that the kind of thing that's going on in Sweden at the moment well the financial situation I don't think I don't think has changed all that much because of the economic crisis or anything like that we we managed to do fairly well uh, and uh, well, the Swedish Film Institute is the main provider of funds for films. It has been like that since the early 60s, and it's still the case. 
But of course, a lot of people fund their films on their own and make low-budget films and such. Uh, and there are also independent producers who will provide money for for funding. But it's it's not easy. Making oh, making films are hardly ever easy, uh, and uh, a lot of time is spent on trying to get money and you might get money from one interested party but from no one else and then the first party says no well I'm, if I'm the only one I will not be giving you any money so yeah. you might have been working on it for a year and then finally nothing comes of it but it's like that all over the world I suppose yeah I mean definitely I know a lot of great filmmakers who have never made a film in all their life because they can't quite get the money and my attitude has always been just go and make if you can just go and make it you know don't become kind of too attached to the idea that someone's going to give you a ridiculous amount of money just to go out there and make it if you can make something for five thousand pounds go and do it yeah. as opposed to waiting for making something for twenty thousand pounds and it invariably it seems to be the kind of the, the kind of the doers that kind of get out there i mean especially someone like shane meadows you know who did kind of like this is england and yeah films like that he's someone who kind of like rather than sitting around waiting for it to come to, you know the money to come to him he just went and actually did it and you know obviously kind of has, has kind of reaped the rewards since but i was wondering um you know just if you just talk us through what it was like kind of working on the kind of the ingmar berman archives yes they are at the swedish film institute uh and it's actually i, I i've been <laughs> involved ever since the, the it started to happen because i was studying film uh, at stockholm university and i had marit koskinen as my teacher and she's, of course, one of the world's leading Bergman scholars. Yeah. And one day she told us students that tomorrow there will be no class because I'm otherwise engaged. So you're free tomorrow. All right. All right. And then she said, well, don't you want to know why? Yeah. <laughs> Looking like a mischievous child. And Okay. Why? Because I'm going to see Bergman. <laughs> because he had called her and said that I have all these boxes with stuff in them, and I don't know what to do with them. Would you like to come over and have a look at them? And she said, well, of course, how could she say no? So she went over there and then and looked at them. And then it took some time to sort all of the things out. But then the Bergman archives were, were established, uh, and everything needed to be catalogized, of course, because it was basically a mess. Yeah. Uh, and my job was to work with his mail, his letters, right. all the correspondence that he had saved uh, from the, I think the first letter is from somewhere in the last, in the end of the 1930s. I don't remember the exact year, but 1939-1940, something like that. Because he had saved everything, everything that he ever wrote and everything he ever received uh, from then until the day he died basically so there was a lot of letters going through but I, and i read them all that's an incredibly personal way of yes. getting to know someone i absolutely i would be horrified at the thought of someone reading through all my text messages perhaps because they'll be so banal and boring yes um but i mean what, what did you kind of learn about him whilst you were kind of going through this process well a lot of things but uh i don't perhaps not anything that you wouldn't already know. Mm. I mean, he was very moody. Yeah, I gather that from. Um, I, I think I watched a film. Was it Live and um, Ingmar? Yeah. It's one of the Criterion things. Like, I got the impression he probably wasn't the easiest person to get along with. No, he was a very hard person to get along with. 
and this everybody was affected by this and he could he could be very rude and mean competitive and vicious and all of these things and uh, not to mention a womanizer of astonishing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that, that's always, that always kind of that always kind of gets me because I was watching that live and uh, live and Ingmar film. I was thinking, yeah. he, he, he's, I was like, what did women actually see in him? He seems like a bit of a pain in the ass, and it was sort of like well, I think you know someone as beautiful as her. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know, perhaps you could have done something else here. You know? I think it's safe to say that he was a pain in the ass, and he would be the first one to admit it. Yeah, but that was of course not all that he was. Of course, he also had an extraordinary charisma and charm and brilliance and all of those things and i suppose i can see how women would consider him very sexy with all being a very powerful creative person and he was he wasn't bad to look at either so yeah but of course he he wasn't with the women for very long and some left him of course because they couldn't take it anymore yeah i mean Obviously, I mean, kind of, you're you're a huge fan of his films. Do you think, kind of, going through this process of looking at archives, did it change how you looked at his films and your kind of appreciation of them? Perhaps. Well, since I've been intimate with all his letters, uh, it's uh, the films. The films are also very personal and and intimate, and a, a lot of them are basically about himself. Mm. Uh, and when I see the films, I can. I will recognize things that I read in the letters yeah. and such things. So there's, there is that. But I wouldn't say that I like them more or less now than I did before. It's just there is something else. There's more more now. Yeah, there's certainly something I kind of, you know, kind of which is the added kind of, because you kind of get to, got, I suppose, got to know him on such a personal basis. And kind of out of interest, what is your kind of favorite Bergman film? Well, I saw Dustin Tinsel, I think, is my favorite. I mean, I, I recently went back to Persona. Yeah. I think that's that's the kind of one for me that I. I it, it seems to me when I go back to the most. Yeah. I think when I and I, I kind of I go back and watch, but I mean, it's it, it, the thing about kind of someone like Bergman. I don't, I don't know you, but he he's made so many great films that kind of saying this one's my favorite. I, I could easily collapse on another day, kind of turn around and say, well, actually no, it's uh, you know the Seventh Seal today or yeah. Fanny Alexander tomorrow. I mean, well, there is a, perhaps a I have perhaps a top. Six, top seven. Yeah. But uh, since people ask me all the time, I decided to go with Sodas and Tinsel. Yeah. But I can't really explain why. I just, I settled for that one as the favorite. I, I mean, it's like, it's, the other thing is about me now, when, when you go back to his films as well, it doesn't, I can't remember one of his films which I haven't, I've never hate. I've never really not liked one of his films either, no. which I think is quite rare. I mean, there's certain directors who kind of they always have that kind of one that stands out that you watch it and you think oh, this isn't really doing much for me. Have but you with... have you seen Music in Darkness? It's a terrible film. Oh really? No, I haven't <laughs> seen that yet. So is that all right? I'll put that on the uh... not to watch list. Right, yeah, okay. So I won't watch that in order to kind of completely contradict what I just said about not finding any of his films. But yeah, no, I mean, but it's, it's kind of like Winter Light as well. I mean, that's another one which I've always kind of, a lot of, I know I've, I've spoken to a few people who don't seem to think that's kind of like um, what, one of his best or anything like that. But I have a real kind of um, affection for that yeah. film and the silence as well. Uh, I think the Winter Light is extraordinary. The first time I saw it, I didn't like it. And when I, I saw it in the cinema and after I came out, in broad daylight, I felt utterly, utterly depressed, and I blamed the film. 
<laughs> yeah. But then I've seen it again, and, and uh, now I really like it. So I'm perhaps not in my in the in that top seven, but uh, yeah, maybe in top ten, perhaps. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that is another one about his films as well. I think they're kind of, you ha- I have to be in the mood to watch Bergman yeah. films sometimes because they're not that type of, you can't, you can't just kind of chuck one on and kind of think, oh, this will kind of, this is going to be an hour and a half of kind of easy go lucky fun. Yeah. Sometimes you sort of, you have to be in a certain kind of, to tune into them as well. And I think it, I'll probably kind of echo that when we kind of talk about Antonioni a little bit because that's it. I think it's certainly one of those directors who you kind of, you, know, you have to get, kind of have to be in the mood for but kind of like in recently i mean you have your kind of blog free to confirm can you just kind of tell us a little bit about that as well well i i started blogging i think in 2005 in in swedish uh and uh i did that for four years and then i moved to scotland because i did my phd in film studies at university of st andrews uh, and that was in 2009 and then i thought well now that i am in Britain, I will write in English. So I started a new blog, uh, which was also only about film. And I've been writing on that ever since. I try to post something every Friday uh, with the odd <coughs> holiday and such. But uh, yeah. yeah. And it's just film. It's not about me. It's only about film. Yeah. No personal. No, no personal. No, no, definitely. And I mean, I think, you know, it's. It, if... Just to our listeners, if you want to head to friedrichhonfilm.blogspot.co.uk, it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, in terms of kind of, I mean, I love what you kind of were saying about Interstellar as well. I think that was a, blog, um, a post okay, I was reading. Thank I, you. You know, I, was, I was reading that um, a couple of days ago and was you know, really interested in kind of what you had to say to it. So definitely it's a, a, a blog that's worth checking out. And I guess, you know, just kind of segue into kind of Antonioni today. It's um, mm. really, you know, I was relatively new to Antonioni up until about four years ago and I hadn't actually okay. watched any of his films and my first experience was watching La Ventura and I remember watching mm. it and it was kind of like that rather nice feeling you have at the beginning when you're falling in love with someone and I remember sort of as soon as it finished having that rare feeling of I think I could kind of watch all this guy's films and I, I began to kind of go through them obsessively and he kind of he's a director who's kind of changed how i thought about cinema especially kind of from a filmmaking perspective and kind of how how i kind of perceive how i view cinema and it it really i I suppose it was kind of the start of a love affair that's kind of gone on to this day i absolutely kind of i I now would kind of put him in my kind of top list of directors what was your kind of first experience of antonio and what what was the the film that kind of got you into his work well that's two different questions really Uh, or at least two different answers. Yeah. Uh, the first film I saw, I think, was uh, The Passenger, mm. uh, which I saw when I studied film. Uh, one of the f- first, I think, perhaps. Well, it was one of the first films that we were shown in class. Uh, and I, I thought it was all right, but I wasn't particularly keen on it. Uh, and... Uh, I, I was not a and then I saw blow out which I didn't like at all uh, and uh, wait is it blow up or blow out um, <laughs> I'm confused blow out isn't it I think I'm sure I have... yes one is the palm and one is Antonio no blow up sorry yeah yeah blow up uh, and uh, of course uh, and I so I, I wouldn't I wasn't a, an Antonio fan but I think 
I don't remember exactly when, but uh, at some point I saw, uh, which one was that? Uh, Ecclesia? Yes. Ecclesia? How do you say it in, uh, in English? Ecclesia. Uh, and I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And then I started to investigate further. And I realized that I really like the black and white ones. But I, I struggle with the the ones in color. Yeah, and that is that is still the case. Really, actually, because I I've, yes. I've watched Blow Up again quite recently, and I always, I yes. always think it kind of when I get over the fact it reminds me of Austin Powers a little bit, and it's and okay. I kind of try and get over the kind of the kitschness of it. I really do, I yeah. really do get into that film quite a lot actually, and yeah. um, I think the one kind of the, the the only kind of one which I don't really get so into, excuse me, is the Brisky Point, which. It's never quite done it for me at all, but I, I, I've quite no. enjoyed The Passenger, and I would say to anyone who's as well, um, if you get hold of The Passenger on DVD, it's got a really interesting Jack Nicholson commentary on that DVD. I don't know if you've heard heard okay. that. Um, no, no, no it's, it's, it's for that alone, it's worth kind of picking up. But I, um, I, I would like to watch it again because uh, I, I, I realise that I think about it quite frequently, mm. uh, so it uh, apparently it has gone under my skin even though it was a very long time since I saw it and I didn't particularly like it. So I will perhaps watch it even next week, now, now that it's all fresh. Yeah, I think the thing about... Some, I mean, I'll talk about it in a, bit, a little bit more detail, but I think the thing about his films are um, they certainly reward repeat viewings. Yeah. Because sometimes, um, especially when I watched Leventura, I, I sort of thought when, when it began, I thought, well, I'm going to see this. I'm, I'm here to find out what happened to that girl. Yeah. And then about an hour into it, I was saying like, I said, do you know, what? I don't even think I care about what happened to that girl. I think I'm interested in this little story now and where, where it's going. That. And it's a strange thing about yeah. his work is that sometimes it's it's quite deceptive in a way what it does narratively in terms of what you think it's going to be about and what it ends up being about. And it, I can see why some people get quite frustrated with it. Um, yeah, because it, it, it's not definitely it's not easily accessible, is it? And I think you have to work quite hard to kind of to try and get into it. I mean, I, in preparation for this, I watched Story of a Love Affair, um, his, his, his yes. first film. And I remember... I love it. Yeah, well, after about 15 minutes, I was like, I don't even know what's going on here. I'm going to have to rewind it again and sort of start again and you know see if I can kind of get back into it. And once I kind of tuned into it, I suddenly really liked Story of a Love Affair. But, it, it, you know, it's taken yeah. three goes to get there before I can kind of get to it. And, um, I mean, an, another one as well, I don't know whether you've seen Red Desert as well. That was another one where... I just wasn't in the mood when I sat down to watch it. And I was, I, no. I was a little bit kind of dismissive of it. And I went back to it okay. again when I felt a little bit kind of differently. And I suddenly got something out of it that I didn't get the time before. And I think that's the mark of a really interesting filmmaker who kind of you can't pigeonhole straight away. Because so much of films at the moment, I've made my mind up about those films within 20 minutes of them starting. And with Antonioni, that doesn't seem to happen. Is that something you kind of feel as well? I don't know. I, I always... I usually wait until I've seen the last scene to make up my mind about the film because sometimes the last scene will change everything. Yeah. Uh, but um, So I'm not sure if I react differently to Antonioni's film than to any other filmmaker, but uh, I think, well, you have to be open to his way of filmmaking uh, and because it's not like anyone else's filmmaking. And it, I also think it's it's perfectly legitimate not to like him, 
I mean, I w- and I would say that because Bergman was not exactly a fan. So, uh, a what of Antonio? Um, yes. Oh, I didn't know this. Is, is there is there a uh, bit of gossip on? And you can. Uh, was it, it? No. There is no gossip, uh, but uh, Bergman has uh, on occasion uh, talked down. Really, <laughs> Antonio, finding him boring. That's that's quite interesting. I mean, I, I wouldn't have. I, I've not heard that before. And uh, I mean, is there anything hmm. kind of specifically he said about his work? I think, per, I I think the word boring was, but I'm, I it it it. I wouldn't say that he disliked all of his films. Uh, and it also it might also have been the case that he wasn't being completely honest. He might have been in a in a bad mood. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no. And uh, I I didn't particularly like well I saw the Red Desert uh, at the cinema uh, some a few years ago, and I I I was disappointed I I, I did have high hopes on it, uh, but uh, there was uh, there was something there that I I will if I I might I may like it if I watch it a couple of times but uh, I'm not there yet even though it has Monica Vitti in it yeah. And she's sensational. Yeah, there was um, going back and kind of doing preparation for this episode. I do, I do realise I have quite a strong attraction to Monica Vitti. Actually, that was uh, yes. I could probably watch her all day. To be brutally honest with you, and just from a kind of a, a sheer kind of aesthetic point of view. But um, I, I suppose I suppose you're kind of like talking about Leonici. What what was it about this film that you kind of you kind of obviously kind of you know wanting to come on and, and talk about it? What what was it about in particular that you liked about it? Well, uh, the reason why I, I chose it to for our discussion today was that I hadn't seen it before, oh, right. and as it came in between story of a love affair and Il Grido, both films that I like really, really much, uh, I thought that this would probably be good too. Mm. Uh, so that's the reason I chose it, and I. I wouldn't say it's one of his best. I was a little bit disappointed with it, uh, but in a different way than I was disappointed in Red Desert because this felt perhaps Red Desert was too much Antonioni, but this was too little Antonioni. I would I would completely agree with with what you what you said on that because I I kind of I went through the past kind of kind of couple of weeks I've 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 sort of started at um Leventure and I went to Lenotte and Nicolese and Red Desert and blew up into the Brisky Point and I think I'd kind of tuned in to kind of the latter day uh well you know certainly kind of these latter films of Antonioni yeah and when I went into this I suddenly thought where is Antonioni in this film I yes. didn't quite I couldn't I was trying to kind of see it as kind of a bridging film perhaps and i think having got i, I watched story of a love affair about three days ago and i, I certainly recognized more the antonioni i saw in that than i did in this but it, it took me a little i mean it took me one viewing to kind of get over the fact that this wasn't the kind of laventura la notte um antonioni but once i kind of got over that and kind of went back into it with fresh eyes on a on a, on a second viewing i yeah. kind of began to see kind of certain aspects of his of his work which I, I think is quite Antonio. Yes, like for example, I mean, this is it's certainly a film that's made from a women's perspective, isn't it? And that was yeah. something which I kind of felt that you know, we, we do get in a lot of his films. And and what I kind of liked about it, it kind of starts with this kind of attempted suicide, 
And I, I sort of thought it was going to be kind of the whole thing was going to be kind of based around that. But it kind of very quickly yeah. goes, it, it sort of goes on a tangent, doesn't it? Because it's not really about that in general. It seems to be more about this kind of, these group of women and the kind of the relationships that they have between them. Yes. Uh, well, uh, you, the, the suicide might almost be seen as a plot device to get the, the woman who comes to Torino to meet these other women. Yeah. Uh, but be, be, because that thing is not the, what is important in the film, but it does lead to uh, there is a Rosetta, the girl who tries to commit suicide, and Clelia, the perhaps the main character in the film. They they have a, a scene on the on the train together, and, and uh, Rosetta says something like, "Why should I live uh, to decide what to wear?" And when and when I decided what's waiting for me. That that sounded like a very Antonioni thing to say. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's fair to say. What? I think it's fair to say he has a very bleak outlook on life. I mean, he's certainly yes. he's certainly a very half glass, what's it, half glass full type of person. I mean, he isn't sort of no half empty. Sorry, uh, he he's it, he, I think he has kind of a very pessimistic view on life, and I think yes. I see that in this film quite a lot. And it, it's strange because when when you have a filmmaker that perhaps is that kind of I suppose not down on humanity, but kind of so kind of coming up from a perspective of, uh, you know, what what is the kind of the point of it all? That's where I think when we talk about kind of having to tune into these films, because when, you, yes. when you're watching that, if you watch something, you know, I don't know, Meet the Parents or something like that, it's just a funny, <laughs> happy-go-lucky film that you can get into and you can kind of be in any mood to watch it and it'll kind of make you laugh. But this is, you're kind of watching these things. And when she says that line, you're like, oh my God, that's just so it's so depressing and it's, yes it is I, I call it the monday morning feeling when you sort of wake up and you don't want to go to work and you can't be bothered and all, you know it's that sort of slightly sort of yeah you know the, the world's not so great and it, it's a, i think it kind of that really kind of sets the stall out for the film because i don't think it's it doesn't get any more cheerier does it really no well it, see it does end with her going back to rome and getting a good job yeah and whether that is a happy ending or an unhappy ending, I suppose, depends on a lot of things. But uh, it could have been worse, after all. Yeah. Well, the way I saw it, she's leaving on her own, isn't it? I mean, the fact that she hasn't kind of, kind of, there's still no kind of connection in her life. You know, I think, she, but the way I saw no. it, thought that she, she starts off alone, she's going home on her own. But I mean, it's it's interesting when you see a film as well, I, I think, made in this period, that it, it's being made from a woman's perspective. Because, I mean, so much yes. of film, you know, especially you, you kind of think it, very kind of masculine and this is kind of it's interesting to kind of see you know what, what are we and we're talking kind of in you know the 19 you know 1955 to see a film that's you know it's, it's kind of almost like from a feminist perspective isn't it yes it it did remind me of uh, some films by Joseph L. Mankiewicz at some point with all of these women characters and there's no main characters but it, it sh focus shifts around a bit uh, like something like three letters all about Eve and yeah. that kind of thing and also of course Bergman did also a lot of films centered around women certainly I think it, I think it's a very I guess what I mean is it's kind of like it's quite it, it seems type of, it seemed a very European perspective to take on cinema at the time because I think kind of like the fifties, yeah. you got kind of like the explosion of kind of you know, like Ben Hur and the kind of the big you know, the epic and that kind of thing and I, I, it's hard to kind of think of 
from my point of view, certainly kind of like a, a film where I, I sort of gone back into those kind of that period of cinema and you can think of kind of like, you know, standout female characters that that kind of easily kind of spring to mind. And with this, it was it was kind of interesting because as you're watching, essentially, if, I, th- I think it's kind of women coming to terms with the post-war era as well in Italy yeah. and the kind of the role of women in society. And it, it kind of interested me from that perspective because these women seem to kind of they they seem to know exactly what they want out of life and it seems to be men who seem to be the kind of the more kind of i don't know slightly kind of less committed or somewhat kind of like i mean especially um lorenzo as a character he's 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 very kind of indecisive i think and quite weak well i i'm not sure that the women are more necessarily decisive or stronger but uh one thing that is clear it seems is that the women have moved on but the men haven't because the women are clearly in, usually in charge here perhaps not when it comes to love but it, when it comes to careers and such they seem to be ahead of the men which i thought was very interesting i mean when when uh, clelia comes she comes to torino to work in this or open this fashion store and everyone who's work, who works there when she comes is a man, and she immediately starts bossing them around, and they they are slightly confused, but they do what what she tells them to do, and I thought that was interesting, because this woman is clearly in charge of the situation, and and the men are are they are chauvinistic, and then they try to charm her and and give her compliments and such, but it, that doesn't work on her because she's all business. And I like that. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's it to me. It's kind of interesting because, as well, when you watch many of the scenes, that the men are always kind of almost behind the women as well in terms of kind of how yeah. how the scenes composed. They they're completely directing the scenes and telling yes. them what's going on and kind of being in control and, and in command. And I mean, we often talk about kind of cinema. It's, it's shot through a male perspective, and I feel like. I, I don't get that that with this film. I do think it's kind of very much kind of shot from a female point of view to a degree, and you, yeah. and you sort of see this kind of. I mean, you know, obviously, kind of Lorenzo. It's like you just want to kind of shake him and tell him to stop being so kind of weak and sort of pathetic around people. Yes, I, I think there's a lot of self-loathing in that character. Yeah, definitely, definitely, mm. and he's. It, it, I mean, obviously, it's the same actor. I mean, um, Gabriel um, Fazzetti, isn't it? Who, who's in yeah. Aventura as well. And he, he, kind, yeah. he kind of reminded me of that character as well. I sort of felt like this was someone who... Um, it, it almost seems like kind of a running theme. You know, obviously, it's the same same person playing the actor. But in Aventura, his character is incredibly kind of indecisive as well and seems to kind of fall in yeah. love with someone after two days. And yeah. uh, it, it's interesting when you see... I guess kind of like these these men who are completely like like you say that they're they're stuck in the past, aren't they? They don't seem to kind of be moving along with modernity. No, they're not. Uh, and there, of course, Antonioni is the direct opposite because he was the embodiment of modernity, which is also interesting. Absolutely. I mean, you know, he's he seems to be. Uh, I think the thing about him, perhaps one of the reasons why, I mean, you know, you, you kind of talk about Bergman and perhaps not being so keen on him, but it's interesting to me that a lot of his films weren't that well received, both kind of critically and kind of at the box office. And I, I wonder if perhaps he was kind of slightly too ahead of his time. 
Yes, that there is that possibility, but perhaps not all the time, because I mean, in the in the sixties, uh, I think he was very much off the time. Mm. Uh, per perhaps uh, in the fifties, I don't know. Well, he, obviously, he was never mainstream in any in any way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, perhaps Store of a Love Affair might is perhaps the most mainstream film he made, but that's still a great piece of art. But uh, uh, I don't, so I don't necessarily think that it, it was because he was ahead of his time that he was not a success. But maybe it was because uh, the the other films or the later films, starting with Il Grido, there there is not much happening there. Mm. Uh, it's a lot of the films are mainly people walking around and being miserable and then every now and then looking at each other without saying anything and then doing some more walking and uh, perhaps well it's people might be bored like Bergman by that and wondering is is this all there is yeah uh, but uh, personally I could watch Monica Witte walk around for hours. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's just me. Yeah. No, no, I think I, I think there's a lot of people who are pretty good at that. Now, I was going to say, kind of in in terms of kind of the structure of this film, it certainly yeah. feels like it's more of a collection of scenes than it does a kind of a, co a coherent whole. It, yes. it, it, it kind of labours it, it its points slightly, and I think. I mean, I was after about an hour on my first viewing. I was like, right, where are we really going with this? You know, what what we're we really kind of looking at, but I think it works as when you kind of look at the scenes and kind of stick them together, I think it works better when you, when you look at it as being kind of narratively, at least perhaps quite disjointed, but deliberately. So in a way, I don't think there is this kind of like, you know, one narrative hook that we're kind of going from a, we're starting off with a story and we're going to get a kind of a cozy, nice kind of, you know, um, ending to the film that wraps everything up. I don't think that's how he kind of rolls at all, but there's a, I mean, there's a few kind of scenes that really kind of stand out for me. Like kind of, for example, when they go down to the beach, and yes. it's you, can, you kind of think going down to the beach is all kind of you know bikinis and it's all going to be good fun and this they're kind of like they're dressed up in coats and jackets and it's, it seems to be pretty cold yeah and it, it's kind of like it just kind of seems like slightly odd that they're going down there and then there's kind of like randomly a couple kind of kissing on the on on, on the beach and you're sort of like thinking yeah so, this is kind of an abstraction to it almost or you know a, a sense that well after i'm not really kind of seen a scene like that before and it, it's kind of it's strange because all the time I'm watching it, I'm I'm kind of consciously aware of the fact that I'm looking out for things in the film that might help me kind of kind of lead into it. But I don't know about you, but I, f I felt the beach scene when you kind of see the room. I was slightly kind of like, what are they actually doing there? What's the point in this? It's a valid question, <laughs> and it's yes, it's most unclear why they are there, and they seem to be in a hurry to leave almost as soon as they get there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and it's also weird because, well, there's a a number of women and a number of men, and they all seem to have, at one point or another, everybody seems to be kissing everybody, mm. which is also very strange. Because why are they doing that? Are they doing deliberately to spite each other, or or is everybody in love with everyone else? It's most unclear, but it doesn't really matter either because they probably don't know themselves. Yeah. And, and, and there's a brilliant scene. I think one of the characters says something like, "Oh, if a man kisses you in public, um, it means yes. it means he doesn't love you." 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and, and, and I, I sort of thought. I mean, I could almost hear, perhaps, kind of a slightly bitter and twisted, um, Antonioni kind of saying that because, it 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 seems like the type of thing. If that, I mean, I, I I'm kind of guilty of it before, but I think the exact line is actually: if a man kisses you in public, it means he doesn't have any feelings. And we all yeah. see people. I mean, there's actually outside my work, there's this corner of a street where everyone kind of seems to stop. And it seems to be the point in Manchester where couples go on their separate way to work. And I always look okay. down and see people ki- kind of kissing and hugging. And I, yeah. I, and I always sort of think, oh, you know, God, why are they so in love? And, you know, my last relationship ended in a disaster. And the, the bitter, horrible oh, side no. of me comes out of me. But you sort of, and it's like, <laughs> and then you kind of like, you meet someone else and you kind of, your perspective changes. And I sort of wonder to myself, is this kind of him being kind of like really kind of, you know, just down on life as it were? And it's, it's, it seems like such a baseless thing to say. Yes, but uh, perhaps it's not him speaking. Perhaps this woman, this particular woman was just being bitter, the character. Uh, it seems that this, she might have been going perhaps with the, with the guy, or perhaps it's something like this. That's you, it's often said that if you sleep with someone on the first date, you will never they will they will take take you seriously after that. Maybe it's something similar here that they say. Maybe there is some kind of uh, sexual morality involved here, which yeah. means that. If a, if a man kisses you in public, it means he doesn't respect you. And maybe that was the case in Italy at the time. Mm. No. It's hard to tell. No, certainly. It's just it's just one of those lines that really kind of stuck out for me when I was watching it. Yes. I was just like, oh, come on, you know. Yeah, I remember it too very well. I mean, and, and, I mean, uh, I mean yeah, the conversation gets even weird, doesn't it? Because they're kind of like, you know, they're talking about that they're, they're on the beach looking out at the, the kind of the, the, the sea. And then there's this line, something like, oh, you know, I'd only kill myself in the warm season. Or she says, one of them says something like that. And they're kind of talking about, oh, well, you, know, you can't be buried in the cold and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yes. it's like, you know, who are these people? Why are they so down <laughs> on life? You know, it doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> yes. If, I, that is often the case with the Amsonioni's character, though. They, the, the moment you, you first see them, they are depressed. And they, they stay that way all the way through the film. Yeah. And you never know really why. Other than perhaps that, that that is what life is all about. I mean, that, but it's not. It's it, it's a, if you're depressed, that's not necessarily because things are really bad. It's just a, a mental state. Uh, but maybe that was how Antonioni was himself. Maybe he was usually depressed. I don't know. So maybe he couldn't consider himself. He wouldn't feel genuine for him. To write characters who are happy and cheerful because he was not happy or cheerful. Absolutely, yeah, and it's 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 strange because when, you know, when we talk about four, like you, know, you you have to kind of get into these types of films, and yeah, just, just kind of going back to that kind of the beach scene because when the first time I watched it, have you do you, do you recall the bit where they were at the beach and they, I think it's one of the characters sees like a it looks like a trunk or something like that in in the sea. Yeah, she tries to get get at it, but then she jumps back when the waves come in. Yeah, yeah, and. That's another thing that kind of kind of stood out for me because I was like thinking, is that some sort of metaphor, or? You know, yeah, we never see it again. It's un- it's most unclear what happens to it. Yeah, and it's just this kind of strange, like kind of abstract moment where, yes. and again, it's this kind of like I was thinking to myself, wish you going to open it. There's going to be something in there that's going to kind of justify this pointless trip to the beach, and yes. it doesn't. And it just suddenly cuts away from it, and you're like, 
well, you know, what the hell? And the whole kind of thing kind of kind of conceded with, there's a lot of slapping in this film or a few kind of notable slaps. And suddenly one of the girls just suddenly whacks another one. And you sort of think, well, that's going to mean something. And then it doesn't. Another character kind of goes into a monologue about something else. And it seems to be kind of full of these kind of like little kind of, where you think it's going and it suddenly pulls itself back and goes in a completely another d- direction and I think the first time I watched it one of the reasons why I was getting kind of quite frustrated was it because I was thinking what is this film really about what am I, what am I actually doing here watching it and it's, yeah. it's interesting to, to kind of like think about his films because they all seem to kind of go down this route but in this one especially I seem to notice that it almost felt like with Michi, he wasn't kind of I don't know if he wasn't entirely sure what the film was about, but I, I, I get the impression that he wasn't overly sure about what direction it was going in himself. Perhaps. Uh, it's based on a book, so I suppose he must have been very familiar with the story. Mm. Uh, but uh, maybe it's because, well, it was made over a long time and they had financial problems, so they had to take long breaks yeah. uh, when not, no shooting was going on. So perhaps maybe he got bored with it along the way yeah i, I don't know it just seems to be it, it's, it's it's disjointed to the point where at times i'm kind of thinking i get the impression that not even they knew what was going a bit like kind of how lost the tv series went i think it became quite apparent quite early on through that that i didn't think they had a clue what was going on and i think i kind of yeah. watching this i kind of i sort of feel that as well that perhaps it was it, 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 perhaps it was a film that they were kind of making in the edit more than they were making at the time and were kind of trying to kind of see wh- what direction it went in. But it's interesting as well to me because a lot of kind of Italian films, kind of especially in the neo-realist period, are made about films about predominantly about kind of the working classes and kind of people at the lower end of society. And this is it's a very kind of middle class film, isn't it? Yes. Um, Antonio's characters usually are rather well off aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly that kind of upper middle class. They, they seem to spend a lot of time partying. You don't ever see anyone at work, do you, in these films, or, or struggling or thinking about money? No. Uh, perhaps there's a, a bit more of that in this film than, than in many of the others. Because uh, our main character, she is a working girl, even though she's not a working, she's a manager, but she is still working and she's worried about income and the, the person that she her love interest carlo he's some he's probably working class which seems to be something of an issue between them because they are they are different they can't really they don't really speak the same language which might be a class thing yeah it's hard as well because with carlo because i sort of felt a little bit sorry for him Yes, I, I, me, me too. It, it's he doesn't seem like. I mean, the other kind of men in the film are quite annoying and very kind of dismissive. I mean, especially Lorenzo. I mean, he's just an absolute time waster, and uh, you sort of yeah. you don't like him particularly. But Carlo seems to be kind of he, he seems to be a pretty straight up guy, doesn't he? You sort of think that's yeah, self- he's a decent guy, uh, and he might, as you say, he might be the only decent guy in the film, uh, and it's a shame because it's they well they might have been friends and and they might have been lovers if she hadn't moved to Rome when she was younger and then started living a completely different life uh and there there is a, a feeling there in the film of 
what could have been. Mm, definitely. And that they they have some very nice moments together. For example, when when they work and they 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 take a walk and they walk past a, a a courtyard and she says, "This is where I used to live." And yes, actually, I th I think this woman here is was here when I was here. And and you, if you want to, you could interpret that scene to mean that if Clelia had stayed here, she would not have gone anywhere in the world. Yeah. And she she would have been tramped like like these people here, but she has progressed. Unfortunately, that also that also meant that she had to give up on love, as it seemed. No. Maybe you can't have it both. You will either have love or you will have a career. You can't have both. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's what ails all of Antonio's characters. Certainly, I mean it, it, it's very much true. I mean, I hear so many times in you know you know, people who kind of. They seem to have this kind of it's one or the other attitude, and yes. it, it's I, I don't I don't know perhaps it's finding the right person you know someone who kind of can accommodate you know you, you, that kind of quest for kind of the, the the work life balance but yeah that scene when they when she's walking around that really did get me that scene because when you watch it as well he's he's you know like I said he, a lot of the film the way it's framed stuff he's always behind her watching her during that yes. scene and he's kind of like. You know, it, it's one of the it's one of the most personal moments in the film as well, and it's kind of a moment where you, know, you can genuinely see someone who's very happy, and you know she's clearly kind of moved by what she's seeing. Yeah. And it's there is that sense that I kind of get when he's kind of he, he, he she always kind of walks off or she's always leaving him behind somehow. And I think, like you say, I think Antonio is telling us through kind of his direction that these two can never be together. He never comes up to her and puts his arm around her or, you know, holds her hand or anything like that. He's never there to kind of like, you know, there's no intimate contact between them whilst that scene's going on. And I felt there was a very real sense that, that every character in the film, there seems to be this distance between the relationships. There's always yeah. either someone watching in or just watching from afar. And it, it, it's quite strange because it, it's frustrating in a way because you want them to be a little bit perhaps more kind of touchy-feely and you just don't get that at all out no. of the film. They they do kiss at one point, but it's it's very brief. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another scene that I like a lot, and which also feels like a pure Antonioni, if you like, is when um, Rosetta and Lorenzo have have a discussion. They are by the side of the road above the river. Yes. And and they talk about love and death and life. Yeah. And this is where she tells him that uh, I'm not sure if she tells if she says that she loves him, but at least she says that she wants to be with that she's interested in him anyway. Yes. Uh, and I, 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 there were several things I liked about the scene, but the one thing in particular that I liked this is the only time that Lorenzo seems to be remotely uh, attractive because. When he understands that what what she is in fact saying is that it's him that she likes, he ha he he has this. His face is is very moving because he doesn't really know this was totally unexpected, and you can see that he's pleased by it. But he at, at the same time he doesn't really know what to do with this information. Uh, unfortunately, then of course he takes advantage of her. But uh, there is a moment there when, when you can see all these conflicting feelings in his face and then he goes back to being his old douchebag. Yeah. 
I mean, it's interesting because I mean, she's talking about you know, Lorenzo. He's an, he's an artist, isn't he? And it's it's a very kind of human moment as well. Where she's talking about the kind of the jealousy that she's felt when other women are being kind of painted by him. Yeah. And he wants, you know, she wants this kind of exclusivity over him, and it's it's kind of. I think that scene actually for me was the point where I really started to dislike Lorenzo even more because yeah. you can just see him kind of like he kind of. He, he's he's kind of feeding her this line like how can you know a, someone like you being secretly in love with a guy like me and blah 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 and he's sort of watching him and it's like but don't just don't you think that might actually be sincere i don't know with lorenzo I, this is it I, I just don't that's the thing i suppose about antonio films it's like i don't really i don't know how much i trust the sincerity of what i'm seeing a lot of the time yeah. i think that kind of it's one of the things i kind of get through watching his films more than once is that i sort of I begin to kind of see people completely differently, like especially in the Ventura, where it, the name escapes me the lead the lead character. But I, I really didn't like her the second time. The, the last time I watched her, you know, her friends died, and she sort of kind of goes on a sort of kind of affair with her best friends, her her might be dead friends, yeah, boyfriend. I'm thinking, what are you doing? You know, you're horrible. You know what I mean? You should be kind of trying to find out what's happened to this poor girl. And we've kind of that. And the other scene thing about that scene as well is how it's kind of framed around that kind of, it's like a pile of rocks or something like that, or yes. bricks. And, yes. and it's, it's a really strange sort of, I can't believe it wasn't scripted that there would be that kind of block there, but they're kind of talking to each other, kind of peering over it and kind of he's leaning on it and things like that. And it's a really kind of interesting kind of, div- I think it kind of shows the actual divide between them, literally, as it were. Yes, it, it's it's very prominent. And it's 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 it might be that, it happened to be there when they came there, but it doesn't really matter because they're using it for for a particular purpose, and it's and it's and it's both very obvious, but at the same time perfectly natural, which is mm. no, absolutely. always where symbolism is at its finest when it it's there, but it's it's not in your face. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I guess it's kind of a nice way of talking about kind of like the direction of Antony in this film because I don't think you could watch this film and say he's not kind of like most directors now when we kind of think about kind of film style it's because you notice them like you know when you're watching a Michael Bay film because it's just there isn't it and it's just all over the screen you can kind of see yes. his kind of style and with Antonioni his style is quite understated and underplayed isn't it it's not something he's not kind of like an awesome world who so kind of goes for these angles and you don't kind of notice him in the scene so much. A lot of this is shot from kind of a mid shot, and it, it it's quite an intimate film in a way. I don't think you kind of notice him as a director in terms of, kind of his visual style so much. In the fact that his visual style is because it's so underplayed, perhaps. Well, I I think this is the, one of the things that make this film feel less Antonioni-esque mm. <laughs> than many of the others because of the style. Because one thing that is Antonioni likes is to have shots where there are no one in them. There is just architecture and texture and such things. That might be a, a definitive Anton, Antonioni shot, but there is hardly anything of that in this film. So in that in that case, this film feels less personal, stylistically perhaps, than anything that Michael Bay might have produced. Yeah, 
yeah, I don't think we ever want to if, see... If we are to compare the two, I think I that... we should definitely do a show talking about Michael Bay and Michelangelo Antonio. Yeah, definitely. I mean, compare and contrast. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, if we were to give uh, Michael Bay this screenplay, um, oh, my God, we can only imagine the horrific film that we would get. But no, you're completely right. There's always people in the sc- in, in the shot in this, you know, and it's, it's... It's shockingly crowded. Yeah, I mean, and this isn't, you know, it's a four, three framed film as well. And it, you know, yes. it, 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 it's full, isn't it, of characters all the time. And they're always talking. Yeah, it's, it's so dialogue-driven. And it, it's... Sorry? It's almost like a... Like a... It, it, drawing room comedy. Yeah. Something like... Like, like Q calls the women or something. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a, it's a strange one because yeah, I, I was kind of like i said because it, it's kind of it, it's not the kind of it's not made in the period where i kind of really you know i'm, I'm not my favorite antonio period so kind of looking at it i was sort of like it, it sort of felt a little bit like television sometimes like a sitcom or something like that you know with the camera just panning left to right and right to left as people kind of enter and go out again and i'm sort of watching it thinking this dialogue and yeah it, it, the, a lot of the dialogue is quite perfunctory really it doesn't seem to kind of have that much to do with the story and it's kind of people kind of talking about kind of things like clothes and you know where you've been and what you've been up to and all that kind of stuff you know, yeah it's quite i don't know quite, quite mundane a lot of it i find yes and it's sometimes uh, for example in in actually in it, it starts in a hotel room or two hotel rooms yeah and they look very it looks like very cheap uh, studio sets mm. it looks most unconvincing and I thought, as I started watching it the first time, I thought, "What is this? Mm. Is, 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 is it amateur night?" Yeah. But then it it got better as the film progressed. Uh, and when I saw it the second time, I didn't mind so much. But uh, I that was not at all what I expected from an Antonioni film when I started watching it. But that, it might there might be reasons for that as well. Maybe there were financial reasons for it, or I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. It, it, I think it's. I don't want to say it's it's kind of. I don't want to say it's kind of a bland, visually looking film. I just think it's quite different. I didn't notice him so much in it, and I no, I, I couldn't kind of see the kind of Antonio style. I think I think the, the kind of the Antonio only kind of trademarks in it come through the kind of the dialogue and the kind of the nihilism of a lot of the characters and that kind of slightly bleaker outlook on life i think that's where it comes from me i don't so much see it in the kind of the visual side of him i mean and and the takes are very long as well in this film i know he doesn't use a long take but the the takes the takes are quite long in very boring places like i mean that bit where they're all in the kind of i think it's a someone's house and it's just kind of you know there's shots that last about a minute and a half and it's literally just three people talking and one character be standing there with two characters at her side and she'll just be alternating between either of them and, yeah. I, and I was consciously aware when I was watching it I was sort of like I don't know am I a little bit kind of bored by this I don't know you know it's sort of it's a strange I don't like to, I, don't, I don't necessarily like saying that I'm being bored by someone like Antonioni but I was sat there thinking come on this something needs to happen or that's going to kind of get me hooked into this film Perhaps some some transformers will start. To <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get some get some low angle shots. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, definitely. But it's just strange, you know, because you sort of sat there thinking, right? I don't want to kind of be feeling like that, or consciously taken out of the film when you're thinking perhaps that the style of it isn't quite kind of grabbing you enough. Yes, well, I I think that's that's okay. 
I'm going to forgive myself anyway. You said, yeah, I, I, I like the film should. anyway, so that's the, yeah. that's, the, that's the main thing. But I mean, um, I know I, I sort of, you know, the kind of, I suppose kind of like working towards kind of the, the, the end of the film. I mean, what, when you kind of went into it the first time, what were you kind of like hoping to get out of it? What kind of direction were you wanting it to go in? You mean what I wanted to happen to the characters? Yeah, I mean, what were you kind of like thinking? Yeah, what, what, what kind of resolution were you wanting to see from it? Well, first, first I thought that it was going to be some kind of detective story. Yeah. Like, because it started off that way. Why did this girl try to kill herself? And, and, they, and they ask around and they talk to people and they, they, they bribe the, the, the maid to, so that she will tell them whether she made any phone calls and if she called anyone, whom did she call and that kind of thing. And I thought, okay. So this is this is it. This is this is a detective story. Why did this girl try to kill herself? But then it turns out that she didn't try to kill herself for any particular or interesting reason, and all of that thing is dropped. Yeah. And at at that point, I I stopped thinking about where things was gonna go, and and I just watched because I thought, well, I'm just I'm not going to try to anticipate mm. what 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 Antonioni is going to do. I'm just going to sit there and watch him do it as he does it and, and not think not trying to outsmart him or anything like that so uh, I I I was sidetracked if you like after the first 10-15 minutes and then I stopped thinking about it because I, I didn't really have anything to I it would have been one thing if there would have been a love affair that you might be rooting for I really want these two people to get it off or but there were no, there was no such couple, so I, I couldn't really attach myself to that either. So I, there was really nothing. So it was basically just more than following the story. It was following in Antonioni. Mm-hmm. Where is he taking this? It's, it's a very authoritarian thing to say, but that's what it felt like. No, absolutely, and I, I completely agree with what you're saying because when it started off, I thought we were going to kind of get this. I thought we were going to find out what this suicide was all about and the reasons behind it and, you know, get some kind of like deep insight into human life. And instead, what we kind of get is this kind of a group of kind of girls who a group of you know, a friendship group. Yes. And when you sort of look at them and you sort of it, it's a strange thing about a group of friends is that I think it, it it's kind of realistic in a sense, because groups of friends are often made up of incredibly contradictory people who's. You know, I mean, I know my for my own experiences, I, you know, my friends, I don't agree with everything they say, a lot of them. And sometimes you kind of everyone's got kind of a different perspective and a different personality. And it feels yeah. like an ensemble piece, definitely, in the truest sense yes. of the word, that this is a group of people who they're very different and they're very kind of they've all got the kind of a very kind of different outlook on life. And, and they're not particularly nice to each other either. No. And that's the other thing as well, is that you look at them and you think they're friends because on paper, that's what they are. And they they kind of they bitch about each other and they kind of steal each other's boyfriends and they I think is there a hint that there's kind of a lesbian affairs happen between a couple of them as well I I, I tend to, I think I I, I I seem to vibe that off a couple of them as well there seems to be something going on I'm not sure if it's over over reading things but they seem I, to, I didn't yeah I didn't think of that but they seem they they, they, they it's, it's very much it feels quite real and I, what I kind of thought about the film was that are we we're going to kind of see this kind of melodrama almost yeah. of this character kind of you know she's going to settle down she's going to meet something and you don't get that and it it sort of fades off into its into a completely different direction yeah 
And I, I guess I kind of have to ask myself the question really after, after a while, did I really care where the film was going? And I think it, my kind of thoughts on it were, were I was quite enjoying just seeing these people, but come the end of it, I wasn't really that bothered about anyone really. No. And that's not how I feel about a lot of his films. I do find myself getting quite into the characters and what's going on. But this, I felt there was a kind of, I, I felt incredibly disconnected from everything that was seeing. And at the yeah. end of it, it was, I, I sort of thought, oh, well, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed it. And when I went back and watched it again, I, I felt like I was even more at arm length from everyone. I mean, you know, think about the kind of, um, you know, when, when Lorenzo kind of walks off into the night and just blows, I can't remember the name of the character, but kind of just says he's not interested or anything like that. I didn't feel any kind of emotion for that person whatsoever. No. And it's quite strange to have a film where you're that kind of, I mean, people might say that about Sandy Kubrick films sometimes, that they're a bit... Um, lacking in emotional depth if if you know that's the way you go into them but i certainly felt that with this i i, I was i was quite surprised by how little i actually cared about anyone in this film hmm. well that's how i feel about blow up really yeah Oof. yeah see i i got completely into blow up actually I yeah was, i was kind of it was the thing I liked about Blow Up was because I thought I, was, I, I I started off really disliking the central character in that film, and by the end of it, he kind of becomes something far more compelling for me. He kind yeah. of it, it was quite strange, but in this, I sort of felt like almost the opposite, really. That it it, it did seem to have quite a compelling start and an interesting start, and by the end of it, mm. I felt kind of slightly apathetic to it all. Yes, but it's I it seems to be have it was restored. Uh, I think in 2010 or 2011 yes. or something like that, and and it was shown on cinemas all over the world, and it seems to have gotten good reviews. Mm. So it it might be a a, a, a late uh, discovered masterwork, mm. an early masterwork uh, for some people, but uh, I, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I have to say, yeah, but uh, I think I thought. Eclipse the yesterday and it's it's absolutely flawless and fantastic. Uh, and uh, what I I had hoped to, that the Amitia would be something like that, but it was not. And so yeah. I, I think that's the I mean what I was going to say and start with about kind of films perhaps a lot of these films they do re, they reward repeat viewings. Yes, and I'm thinking perhaps. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've seen it twice now. When I, especially kind of like Lucrezia and Red Desert and Leventure and Lenotte as well. I mean, I've seen them several, several times, more times than I can remember, really. And that, that's when I kind of like, you know, I've, got, I've completely got them. And I'm wondering with this is like, they're perhaps I might go back to it, you know, in a couple of years or something and get to it. But at the moment, I still feel quite sort of, I, I don't not like it. I just, I don't, I can't quite get it, what what it is I'm meant to be getting out of watching it. And yeah. it, it's like, it's sometimes i find films when i feel like that i find that i find an urge to go and watch them again far more compelling if i watch a film and really like it yes because sometimes because there's, there's 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 types of films that i don't like it's because they're rubbish and there's other films that i don't like because i don't think i've got them and i think this definitely falls into the category of you know having not got it or yeah, i'm just waiting for that thing that kind of sets off in my head and i think right now i now i can go back to this and watch it and really kind of take it in and it yeah that hasn't happened yet and I, to me that is still quite an interesting it's, it's a very interesting film i think it's just it hasn't kind of it's it's by no means a bad film absolutely not no it, it's a good film it's just that well given that it was made 
in this part of Antonioni's career, I was I thought it would be spectacular, which mm. it is not. So it might be if it, had it been directed by someone else, this would not even have been an issue. Well, it's a fine film. There's there's and there's there's nothing more to it. But here he had set the the bar so high that uh, yeah. he brought it upon himself basically. If he don't like this film, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I I completely. Is there anything else you'd like to kind of add about the film? No, I think we've discussed it. Yeah, I think we've we've pretty much done it. I mean, I would say, I mean, yeah, yeah, would you kind of would you recommend this film? I mean, on its own, or would you kind of say you have to kind of watch it in the context of kind of perhaps doing a bit of a kind of a home cinema festival of Antonioni? As one should of a, on a regular basis. Well, I I was actually thinking that I was, for example, shall I recommend it to my parents, for example? Yeah. And I thought, no, not really. Yeah. Uh, because I, it's it's for for Antonioni fans, it they must see it. Uh, and perhaps for people interested in, in Italian cinema, uh, or perhaps for people who who like to watch beautiful people in beautiful clothes. Yeah. They, they, there's a lot of that here uh but uh so i i wouldn't necessarily recommend it uh not because it is bad but because there is so much other things that, that is much more interesting and much better both by antonioni and, and by others yeah no definitely uh, i mean i i would say i mean i have a, a bit of a love affair anyway with kind of like italian film from the 50s and 60s so from a purely aesthetic point yes. of view i can say you know watch it for the characters and you know the the, the way these people look but i think it's more of a kind of film which i i have to see in the context of the rest of his work and yes. and, and perhaps it will kind of like make sense then but it's kind of a standalone film i'd be kind of like yeah you know great it's a it, it's a perfectly watchable film and it, 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 it it's interesting but i think it works better when you kind of see it as a whole with his other with his other films and not so much yes. a standalone film but i mean just a quick word on on the blu-ray i mean have you got the master cinema release of this yes yeah, definitely. I mean, I was going to say that the restoration of this film is absolutely brilliant as well. Yes, um, it's it looks it's it looks flawless. Yeah, and and but at the same time, it's not too good. Yeah, because it, it sometimes happened that I I've seen films on Blu-ray uh, where the image has been so razor sharp it feels weird. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, this was not an issue here. It looks perfect. No, it's one of the things that we've, we've talked about on, on on this podcast before, and certainly my other one, where we say that just just make what's there better. Don't you, know, you don't have to kind of scrub things up. You don't have to remove all the noise, and you don't have to kind of you don't have to kind of go in digitally too much. And I think this, they, they, it was a fantastic restoration. I know they spent quite a lot of money on it as well to, yeah. to make it look how it does. And there were several prints of the films that were kind of cobbled together to make it look as well. And I, I think it's yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic um, Blu-ray yes. certainly to look at, and the sound as well. I mean, I watched. Um, the DVD of um, Story of a Love Affair um, yes. the other day, and it was a Region One DVD that I've got, and it's it's atrocious to be brutally honest with. You. It's, I mean, I wouldn't say it's unwatchable; that'd be a bit melodramatic. But the sound as well um, was awful, and the picture was mm-hmm. just this kind of muddy mess. And um, it was so good to see that the film has has been given this kind of so much love and attention. I think it's definitely worth from that perspective. It's a it's a pretty great Blu-ray, and I also found the um, the, the kind of the the interviews with Gabe um, Klinger as well quite interesting 
on this and the booklet as well i thought was well worth a read so overall i mean i think it's a pretty it's a, a pretty decent blu-ray package i'm sure you would agree with me on that one well i i wasn't that impressed by the extra material the only thing that i really really liked was the letter from antonioni to italo calvino yeah no, that was quite good yeah that i thought was the the highlight of the uh, of the extra material uh, and uh, there's a it's a nice he he has a lot of interesting things to say in it. I I think perhaps <laughs> I I like the letter more than I like the actual film. Right. <laughs> but he he writes a lot about uh, what it means to do an adaptation, for example, because this is based on a book, yes, of which is not that common for Antonioni. And he also complains about the fact that, well, he has he does he working with producers is a pain. I can second and that. It, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and what he says here is. What I wish for is to be able to someday make a film in full agreement with the producer, without scandals, without interruptions. In other words, under normal conditions, normal, nothing more. I have never had this luck. Yeah. Poor guy. Uh, well, I mean, I can attest to working with kind of producers and things like that. It yes. can be an absolute pain in the uh, the what's it. And um, unfortunately, kind of, I, I sometimes think the role of producers there to kind of stop things from going crazy and. Uh, you can certainly see examples of films like Heaven's Gate where that what that film needed was a producer and a very strong one at that and it didn't have one. You can kind of see what goes on with it. So I can kind of see where he's coming from. Um, yes. But it's certainly, you know, it's the, it's the struggling creative, isn't it? He wants his own control over everything. And uh, I still think he managed pretty well, to be brutally honest with you, even with kind of whatever restrictions were put in place. But um, I think that's kind of probably it then for this one. Um, Frigid, very many thanks for coming on board with us today. Um, can you just tell me where we can find more of you on the internet? Well, I'm on Twitter, uh, Frederick on Film. Uh, and also, you mentioned my blog, frederickonfilm.blogspots.com or .co.uk, whatever, whatever UK, you are in the is, world. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I I think that's well. Yes, there's one thing place more. There's the Italian film journal La Furia Umana. Uh, I write there f- frequently, and I'm also on the editorial board for for that journal, so you can find me there. It's not in Italian. It's a multi-language thing. So there's articles in English and French and Italian and and stuff. My stuff is in English. Brilliant stuff. And you can find more of us on moccast.blogspot.co.uk. So you can all find, also find us on criterioncast.com. You can find me on 24framescast um, at blogspot.com. And you can also find me on Twitter at 24framescast. So, Frigit, many thanks for coming on board with us today. It's great talking to you. It's a pleasure. It's been a great talk. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good night. Yeah, cheers. And thank you all for listening, and we'll be in contact soon. Yeah.